It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, February 20th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Blades versus Lewis, which will take place in the matter of 63 minutes. So by the time you're tuning into this, uh, the event will probably already have started. But, you know, like they always say, like I always say, it's better late than never. And we have never missed a show, even though we've came very close to. Never missed a, a preview show or a recap show. So, you know what I mean? This will be posted. This will be posted before the event starts. I guarantee you that much. So it's probably not going to be a long one. But that's okay, because this is not exactly, you know, UFC 260 here. This is... Uh, you know, it, it's not it's not a bad fight night, but you know, it's not crazily stacked. Um, a little bit of housekeeping to get to. We do have the main card showdown uh, later on. I've done no work for that, so I'm gonna have to do that uh, before the main card starts. Um, I think we're on main card or uh, NSS 29. I think that's correct. It is the February Grand Prix opening round, so that's very very exciting. Uh, I still have to figure that out. I have no fucking idea what the matchups are, other than me and Drew for the title. Uh, and probably Reagan. Probably Reagan. And maybe Paige. Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, who knows? Could be Captain. Could be Pip. Um, you know, not really sure. Not really sure. But, you know, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out later. It doesn't matter. I mean, the mailman's getting an easy dub no matter what. Fuck everybody else. Don't care what happens. You know, I'm basically the Tom Brady of that game, so... You know, as long as the, the superstars keep going, then that's that's fine by me. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into this. We have uh, literally no time to waste, so we'll get right into it. Uh, I do want to talk very, very briefly about some of the canceled bouts, because there were some uh, very, very notable ones. And we'll start with uh, Rafael Alves versus Pat Sabatini. And uh, that's fine. I wasn't really looking forward to that fight. I mean... You know, whatever. But notable, because uh, Rafael Alves, I think he weighed in at 158.5 pounds. But it wasn't a lightweight bout that he missed for. It was actually a featherweight bout that he missed for. So not only did he completely fucking miss the featherweight limit, he missed the weight class above him's limit. So that is very impressive. You know, you got to respect the balls on that guy for weighing in because, like... Everybody has scales, so you know how much you weigh. Like you don't just go down to the weigh-in and just, oh, I hope I, I hope I, I weighed in properly. No, everybody has the electronic scales. They know, you know, because you got to monitor how, how you know your, your progress through the weight cut. So, props to him. Honestly, if I was him, and who knows what happened, if uh, you know he had a medical thing, I, but I don't think he had a medical thing. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, why wouldn't you be hospitalized? Um, I think he was just lazy. And I'm sure it wasn't easy, but I'm sure it was because, you know, he didn't do the proper cut down, you know, in the weeks to, uh, leading up to the fight. But who knows? doesn't matter. That guy will absolutely be cut from the UFC. Um, but props to him for weighing in. Like, holy shit, because that's a UFC record. 
12 and a half pounds or whatever is a UFC record uh, for a, a missed weight cut. And honestly, I just wouldn't weigh in. I just wouldn't weigh in. I would make anything up, anything up. I'd say I have to go to the hospital right now, even if I was feeling completely fine. Like there's no motherfucking way my feet are stepping on that scale and I'm going to weigh in at that much. Because that's going to stick with you forever. That's with you forever. You're forever the guy who missed by 12 pounds. So, I mean, not exactly the smartest guy in the world, but I, I, I respect it. I respect it. It's it's a very big fuck you to the UFC to weigh in 12 and a half pounds over the limit. But, uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. Uh, and then, do we have Drakkar close fighting? I don't think they got a fight for him. Yeah, he had two fights fall out, so uh, Drakkar close uh, is uh, not fighting. Um, yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping and, and uh, canceled bouts, so we can start here with the prelim opener. It's going to be a heavyweight fight between Sergei Spivak and Jared Vandera. Vandera is 11 and 4. Spivak is 11 and 2. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds coming from Odds Shark, and they'll have Spivak as the minus 250 favorite. Uh, I'm going to spend very, very little time on some of these fucking prelim ones. I'm going with Spivak. I just think he's the better fighter. I was a little bit impressed with Vandera. He fought on the most recent season of the Ultimate... Or the Ultimate Fighter, Jesus. Uh, the Contender Series. And uh, he, got a, he got a nice win over a fella named Harry Hunsucker, which I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say. But, uh, yeah, I like Spivak. He's had a couple of weird losses, but I do, I do think he's really talented. You know, he's not a, he's not a fat boy at heavyweight. You know, he's, he's, pretty, uh, he's a pretty strong guy. Uh, he lost to uh, Walt Harris, which was... I mean, think whatever you want about Walt Harris, but that was way too much, way too soon, putting him in there with a man who's built like a fucking... Uh, like, a, like a restaurant refrigerator in uh, Walt Harris. Lost to Marcin Tabora. And Tabora, you know, he's on a, a little bit of a resurgence here, kind of like his fellow uh, Poland... Or his fellow Pole... Uh, Jan Blahovich. I think he's won like three or four in a row after just looking like he was going to get cut. So, you know, a couple of weird losses. He won his last fight against Carlos Felipe. I think he'll win this one uh, pretty convincingly, probably by uh, probably by finish. All right, moving on. Uh, we have a fight here in the bantamweight division between Eamon Zahabi and Draco Rodriguez. Zahabi is seven and two. Rodriguez is seven and one. Uh, Rodriguez is the minus 185 favorite. He is also uh, the favorite fighter of one Drew Peterson. Uh, Eamon Zahabi, the brother of uh, Faraz Zahabi, the head trainer, I guess, at, no, owner of TriStar. Who knows what he is? He does everything. Very, very good um, coach. Oh, I guess that's what you'd call him, a coach. Uh, also, uh, Ariel Helwani lookalike, uh, which is, was a little startling. Um, yeah, I'm going with Draco Rodriguez in this one. I, I've seen Zahabi's two fights in the UFC, uh, both of which were losses, and uh, they were not good. They were not good. Uh, this is the UFC debut for Rodriguez. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I guess it wouldn't shock me if Zahabi won. Obviously, the odds would reflect that. But, um, you know, because, man... I always say it, but really good fighters a lot, well, not a lot of time, but sometimes you lose your UFC debut to someone you shouldn't have because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but I, I don't think Eamon Zahabi's that good of a fighter. Uh, probably will get cut after this. The UFC's been doing uh, a lot of uh, cutting recently, so I wouldn't want to lose if I was on this card, 
but uh, I think Rodriguez probably gets it done. All right, moving on here to the featherweight division. We have a bout here between Chas Skelly and Jamal Emmers. Skelly is 18-3. and Emmers is 18-5. and Jamal Emmers coming in at the minus 240 favorite. Um... Man, that's a gross fight. I've, I've, I don't know. It'll probably be a good one because uh, Skelly is a, a tough guy. Uh, Emmers, he, he's only lost once in the UFC, and it was to Giga Chikadze, who, I mean, they need to get that guy another fight because I'm very curious to see how high Giga Chikadze can go. That dude's a fucking stud kickboxer. Um, Chas Skelly, I always got Chas Skelly confused with... Um, Oh, not Darren Elkins, but the guy who, the guy who was in the UFC who went and fought over in bare knuckle, I think he even fought Artem. Uh, oh man, I I, I forget. Uh, but Chas Kelly, one one and one in his last three. Oh, Jason Knight, that's what it was, and of course he fought him uh, back in 2017. Um, yeah, man, I just don't have anything on Chas Kelly, man. So I'm 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 going with Jamal Emmers. I just. I don't, have, I don't have anything in the memory bank for, for Chas Kelly. That's just, I'm drawing a blank on that one. All right, moving on here to a women's flyweight fight. We have a bout here between Shayna Dobson and Casey O'Neill. Uh, Dobson is 4-4. Four and four. O'Neill is the minus uh, 155 favorite. She's 5-0. and oh. um, Man, uh, the, whatever one I pick... It's going to go the other way. I'm so fucking bad at picking unranked female fights because uh, the the standard of, of uh, quality at that level is uh, not very good. Not very good. It's probably on par with the UFC's talent in uh, 1996. So, you know, I don't, I don't know on this one, man. I'm going to go Shayna Dobson just because, uh, you know, she was our uh, upset of the year last year. She actually won a North Star Sports Award. She was the I see. I thought it was the minus one thousand. Uh, no, Agapova. I, I fucking suck at odds. But she was a huge underdog against Agapova. Agapova fought like a complete fucking idiot, and she ended up winning that one. Um, I've really never heard of Casey O'Neill, so I, I don't know, uh, you know how how talented she is. Five and zero means absolutely nothing to me. And uh, she doesn't come from any organization that I've ever heard of, so that probably doesn't bode very well. She is 23, so I don't know. Maybe the UFC has some uh, some high opinions on Casey O'Neill, but I'm going to side with the uh, the UFC veteran at this point, Shayna Dobson. All right, moving on here. We have another featherweight bout between Nate Landwehr and Julian Erosa. Erosa is 24 and 8. Landwehr is 14 and 3. Uh, Nate Landwehr is the minus 120 favorite. Uh, definitely going with, with Nate the train on this one. I think that this will probably be the fight of the fight of the night on the on the prelim side of the of the equation. There's some pretty good pretty good fights on uh, on the main card, but I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm I'm very intrigued by uh, Nate the train and Julian Arosa. Um, I don't know. He, he's kind of had a little resurgence here. Uh, he was obviously on uh, the Ultimate Fighter, the uh, Team McGregor versus Team Faber, one of the greatest seasons of the Ultimate Fighter I've ever seen. I've been going back and and rewatching some of those, so I went back and rewatched 
I think that was season 22 or something. Also watched, I just rewatched the uh, the Black Zillions versus ATT. I think that might be the greatest season of The Ultimate Fighter, and, and I know that's probably blasphemous to say, uh, but also at the same time, I am pretty biased because, you know, like, oh, a lot of people would say The Ultimate Fighter 1 or The Ultimate Fighter 2 or 5 um, are, are some of the greatest seasons, or 10. I think that was one with the heavyweights with Kimbo Slice. But, and those might be, I think I've watched every season of The Ultimate Fighter that matters, like, not like the, not the, like, Team Canada versus Australia or the Chinese seasons or the Brazilian seasons, but, um, I don't know, man, I wasn't, I was, I was, like, fucking, what was it, 2005? I would have been fucking eight years old, so I, I didn't watch it in its prime, so maybe if I watched it in its prime, it would have, you know, been my favorite season, but... Uh, I, so I am admitting I have a bias here, but I, I do think ATT versus Black Zillions might be the best season of the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but anyways, yeah, Orosa uh, flamed out in the UFC. I think he ended up losing to Artem on that season of the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, he flamed out twice in the UFC. I thought it was just once, but he flamed out twice in the UFC. And now that he's now that he's back, uh, he choked out Sean Woodson, which, you know, a lot of people are pretty high on him. I think that dude's probably at the bare minimum one weight class below where he should be at. Cause what he's like six, six two at fucking featherweight, which is not a good idea. That is not gonna. Not, not a lot of champions are six two at, at featherweight, or you know six three at lightweight, or six four at fucking welterweight, like. I really do think those are kind of freak show fighters, and I'm, I'm I'm trying not to be disrespectful when I say that, but it's like, you know, it's not really an advantage to be tall. It's an advantage to have reach, but like, okay, like, if height mattered that much, why the fuck is James Vick not the lightweight champ? Like, point, point out to me, like, fighters who are super, super, super tall for their division and, like, actually achieved anything at the top of the sport. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know, man. I, just, I think that's not a good idea to I mean some people bodies are different man like some people are just like naturally skinny and I'm sure Woodson definitely seems naturally skinny but like I don't know man are you are you you a true featherweight I don't know about that man I I just don't know but you know that was a pretty big upset I I think it was Woodson was like the minus 500 favorite or or something uh pretty sizable um, but I am going to go with uh, Nate the Train. That dude always puts on a performance. Always puts on a performance. And he's only had two fights in the UFC, but dude's a fucking maniac. Got finished by uh, Herbert Burns in uh, in the first round in his first fight. Then they put him in against Darren fucking Elkins in his second fight. And just, he beat the fucking brakes off of Darren Elkins. And, you know, Elkins is tough and he was throwing back. But, man, he bloodied him up. He bloodied him up, man, and I think he's probably going to do the same thing to Julian Erosa. Um, I don't know how good of a ground guy Erosa is, so it's probably just a kickboxing match. And oh man, I I think he I think he's just going to beat on him. But it it'll be fun to watch because you know Erosa has pulled off the 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 upset before. Obviously, this is not an upset when you look at the odds, but in my mind, Nate Landwehr is is by far the better fighter. So you know we'll see how that goes. All right, moving on here to a bantamweight fight between Eddie Wineland and John Castaneda. 
Wineland is 24, 14, and 1. Castaneda is 17 and 5. Castaneda is the minus 125 favorite. Um, this one's interesting because Eddie Wineland is a good fighter. He is a good fighter, and I'm sure his I'm sure his fight IQ is is super high because he's you know he's essentially a pioneer of the sport when you look at the bantamweight division. You know, obviously the lighter weight classes. Um, you know, they they took a while to um, to get going in the grand scheme of things. You know, like the light heavyweight division, even back in the days where they called it middleweight in the UFC. I mean, that's a very storied and, and, and well-established division. Obviously, heavyweight, obviously, welterweight has been well-established for a long time, but, you know, those, those bantamweight divisions didn't really come around until, you know, the, the, the days of, um, you know, the WEC and, and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's tough to put a, you know, definitive date on it. Obviously, it's more of a gradient, but, you know, bantamweight wasn't really established until, like, fucking 2011, you know, when, when the UFC brought in bantamweights, or right around that time frame. I might be off by a year or two. But, um, yeah, no, obviously an OG of the sport uh, in, in the 135 division, and, you know, it's... I don't know, it's tough. I mean, O'Malley's a talented fighter, even though he's a fucking human coloring book, but I don't... I don't know, it's tough because, like, I don't have any hot sports takes on John Castaneda, but it's like, ah, we're, we're definitely seeing that phase of Eddie Wineland's career the last couple of years where it's like, well, he's just hanging on and losing a shit ton of fights, but every once in a while he wins a fight and, you know, should he hang it up? I mean, you guys know my take on hanging it up. I mean, I don't, I don't care if Eddie Wineland gets knocked out 17 times in a row. Keep fighting if you want to. I don't care. I'll tell you it's a dumb idea, but I don't. I don't fucking care. If BJ Penn wants to fight again, why do I care? It's his brain, not mine. You know, just turn it into a fucking bowl of porridge for all I care. But I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, it might be crazy, but I'm going to go with Eddie Wineland on this one. He, he, you know, he beat Grigory Popov back in 2019. Now, he was making his UFC debut. I don't think anybody had any high expectations for Grigory Popov. Um, He's obviously going to be the more savvy fighter. It just comes down to, uh, you know, does he have an old man fight or does Castaneda just beat him because he's younger? But at the same time, Castaneda, he's lost three of his last four. So, you know, and two of those were in Kambache. So, you know, it's not like he's on a tear in the UFC. In no way, in no way is he, you know, Brian Caraway, who's in the news for some interesting stuff. Uh, or or Sean O'Malley or any of these more talented younger guys that Wineland was facing these these last couple of years, so I think Wineland probably gets it done. We'll go decision. Alrighty, we're moving on here to uh, yet another featherweight fight. I mean, this is just a lighter weight event. I mean, this is really just a showcase showcase for the featherweight division. We have a bout here between Jared Gordon and Danny Chavez. Gordon is 16 and 4, Chavez 11 and 3. Uh, Chavez is actually the minus 145 favorite, and this is going to be a good one because they were talking mad shit. They were talking shit uh, at at the uh, at the faceoffs, which I didn't even know there was beef between these two guys. I mean, you know, I, I haven't been following the career of Danny Chavez super closely. I believe this is his UFC debut because I've never heard of him. Um, Okay, so he, he actually fought at UFC 252, uh, beat TJ Brown. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Fuck, any you know, anytime that there's there's beef between two guys, you know, I'm I'm thrilled. You know, we got to figure this shit out. 
And, um, you know, I am going to go with, uh, with Jared Gordon. Now, the, the concerning thing for Jared Gordon is, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe he missed weight for this one. I believe he missed weight. Um, is Tapology cool enough to tell me? Ah, they're not cool enough to tell me. That's okay. I love Tapology. Um, but I believe he missed weight. Now, you would think missing weight is an advantage, but I believe statistically it's a disadvantage because uh, you probably killed yourself so much trying to, to get to uh, uh, the point where you're on weight that you've actually depleted yourself so much that I, I believe disproportionately you will lose if you miss weight. Um, so that doesn't bode well for Jared Gordon. But, you know, you just look at the high-level experience for, for Jared Gordon, uh, it, that's something that Danny Chavez does not have. I mean, Jared Gordon's been in the UFC uh, since uh, early on in, in 2017. And, you know, he's won some, he's lost some. Uh, two of his losses are to Charles Oliveira and uh, Diego Fajeda. So, uh, you know, he, he has fought some, some pretty tough opponents in the UFC. Uh, I actually saw him at the infamous UFC Minneapolis card beating Mankato, Minnesota's own Dan Moret. Uh, by unanimous decision, and he had a really good performance against Chris Fishgold. I believe there might have been two 10-8s in, in that fight. He just wrestle-fucked the shit out of him, and, and he had some good ground and pound as well. Maybe could have finished the fight if he made some adjustments, but, um, you know, it, it was a, it was actually a really, really impressive performance, especially considering everything that was going on in his life, um, which was well-documented on... Oh, I forget the name of it, but the UFC had a documentary, um, fuck, Fight Island Discovered or Unveiled or some shit. It's on ESPN+. Plus. It's actually really good. It details the first uh, foray uh, of Fight Island, uh, uh, the, the four events or whatever they had in three weeks. And, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on in Jared Gordon's life. So, you know, th that was a very impressive performance. I think he'll probably carry it over into this one. Uh, just a better fighter, more momentum, and, uh, yeah, I, I think he probably gets it done here. All righty. Uh, oh, that was the, uh, the prelim headliner. That's interesting. Okay. So we're off to the main card. It is a six-fight main card, which are my favorite because it gives me less opportunities to fuck up and lose on the main card showdown. And we'll start here uh, in the heavyweight division between former UFC heavyweight champion Andre Arlovsky and Tom Aspinall. Uh, uh, Andre Arlovsky is 30 and 19. Aspinall is 9 and 2. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. They will have... Okay, so Odds Shark says this is a prelim fight. What does the UFC say on this? Okay, the UFC says this is the main card opener, so we'll go with them. The, the, the UFC website probably knows what they're talking about here. Uh, but Tom Aspinall is the minus 260 favorite. Uh, yeah, this is probably not going to go good for Andre Arlovsky. I mean, he Andre Arlovsky, you got to give this guy so much fucking credit because anytime he's down and out, like, this dude several times in his career has been on, like, a five-fight losing streak and just finds his way back. Now, he doesn't find his way back to, like, being in the top five, but, like, oh, Andre Arlovsky, four-fight losing streak, he's going to get cut. Yeah, then he'll rattle off two or three wins in a row. So this dude has a fucking uncanny ability at just staying relevant, and you got to respect the fucking hell out of that because he is 42, and he is on a two-fight winning streak, and he beat two pretty um, pretty decent prospects, Felipe Linz, who I think was champ over in PFL. Now, I think he was, like, 33 or 34, so, 
a little bit of an older prospect, you know what I mean? Although heavyweight, you can fight till you're... Well, you, look at Arlovsky. You can fight till you're 42, so I suppose you could call a 34-year-old a prospect. And then Tanner Bozier, that, which is very impressive. Tanner Bozier, um, he had that loss to Cyril Gaon, but outside of that... Uh, I was, I've been very impressed with Tanner Bozier's career. He's had a couple of thunderous fucking knockouts in the UFC. But Tom Aspinall, they're putting him up against another, another prospect here. And uh, Aspinall seems to be the real deal. Uh, two first-round finishes in the UFC, one over Jake Collier, one over Alan Badeau. Um, they don't last long. They, they really fucking don't. So it, it is tough because I, I could see Arlovsky just punking this dude and just winning you know, a unanimous decision victory because ah, he, well, look at his last couple of fights. He has shut down a couple of prospects, but I think Tom Aspinall, uh, I think he could be the real deal. Uh, he's 6'5", 244. You, you always love seeing heavyweights that aren't just, you know, f- fucking fat boys. And uh, he's, he's 27, and a lot of people talk very highly of uh, Tom Aspinall. Um, so I, I think he gets it done. I think, I think Arlovsky gets knocked out. And I actually think that's pretty impressive. I know he has been knocked out uh, pretty badly a couple of times uh, in the UFC, but you look at his fights, win, win, loser, draw. He's been going to a lot of uh, decisions recently, and uh, really, really, he only got knocked out uh, by uh, Jairzinho Rosenstrike and Ngannou uh, over the last couple of years. But I, I think Aspinall probably beats him in this one, but I, I would not be surprised if Arlovsky won. Uh, so I can thoroughly hedge my bets there on, on that prediction. Alrighty, we're moving on here. Uh, on the main card, we have a middleweight fight between Nasserdine Imovov and Phil Hayes. Imovov is 9-2. and two. Hayes is also 9-2. and two. We'll look at the odds here. They'll have Phil Hayes as the minus 125 favorite. Uh... Yeah, Phil Hayes, his career has been pretty interesting to, to watch uh, over the last handful of years. He is 32. Uh, a lot of people think this is one of the best middleweight prospects uh, out there, and it's taken him a long time to get into the UFC, uh, and, and he's had a couple of early losses. So he made it to the Contender Series in 2017, the, the first season they ever did it, and got knocked out very badly, very badly with a head kick by Julian Marquez. And uh, basically had two years off, I assume, with, with injuries or, or, or whatever. Had to get a couple of wins over in Brave. Came back to the Contender Series. Beat the six foot six, I want to say, Kazimurad Bastayev. Uh, knocked him out pretty badly. Then, this dude had a golden opportunity at UFC 254. I think he was, like, the featured bout on, on the main card against Jacob Malkoon, a guy who was 4-0. He was a training partner... Uh, well, probably still is a training partner of Robert Whitaker, and just turns the lights out in 18 seconds. So uh, this guy has incredibly serious power, lethal power. And, uh, you know, it's good to see him uh, back. I mean, I think it speaks volumes that he's on another main card. Obviously, to be a featured bout on a fucking pay-per-view is... is uh, uh, that shouldn't happen in your, in your uh, UFC debut, but... Uh, uh, you know, it did, and you know, turned out turned out his way. Now, Imovov is 24. Uh, he's pretty tall for the division. He's uh, six foot three. Now, we saw him make his UFC debut against Jordan Williams, and 
he he definitely won that one. I want to say it was 29-28, or maybe there was even some 30-27s on there. But I don't know, man. William Williams is a good fighter. He's a promising fighter. But the thing with him is, is he has diabetes, so he can't cut weight. So Imavov was just a much bigger fighter in that one. So not to take anything away from, from Imavov, but it's just... I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. He probably outweighed him by like fucking 20 pounds. So I don't know. I think this is the first real test for Imavov. And uh, I just can't, at, the, at this low of a level, who knows? Imavov could win fucking 10 fights in a row. And then, you know, he's, he's you know, right up there fighting uh, Adesanya. Sometimes you just never know with some of these young guys, you know, where they'll be in, in uh, you know, a handful of years. But I think at this point, at this level, Phil Hayes. I mean, they're both nine and two, but I think Phil Hayes has better uh, regional experience, and uh, you know he, he's fought twice on the Contender Series, so it's you know he's had two dress rehearsals in the UFC, and then his obviously his debut in the UFC. So I mean, really, this is his you know quote unquote fourth fight under the UFC banner, and uh, I, I mean at that level when you just have the great uh, eraser of of insane power, you know I got to go with Phil Hayes on this one, and. Uh, I'll go round. I'll go round two TKO. K, yeah, you know, round two KO. I guess there's no distinction on the main card showdown between a TKO and KO. But you know, I'm gonna say he flatlines him. I'm gonna say he flatlines him. All righty, moving on here. Uh, on the main card, we have another heavyweight fight between Alexi Olenek and Chris Dawkins. Olenek is 59, 14 and one. Dawkins is 10 and three. We look at the odds here. They'll have Chris Dawkins as the minus 200 favorite. Uh, Alexio Linick, I believe this guy's been fighting since before I was born. Uh, he is 43 years old. Let's see. His first fight was in November of 1996 at the Minamoto Cup 1996. So he's been fighting uh, basically a year before I was born. So, you know, props, props to this guy. You know, he just... He just keeps on chugging along, and he actually fought Uncle Chael at some point. I'll try to find it on uh, on here. God damn, he has so many fucking fights. I don't even. I don't even know. This dude's career is just some of the some of the names he's fought. Like you'll see this, like. So, like, if you look at, like, regional MMA or if, if you go up and down, like, a fighter's entire fight history on Tapology, not SureDog, because SureDog is a dog shit website, but Tapology, and you'll see, like, oh, um, I was looking this up earlier. So, Gerald Mearshart, I think when he was, like, 2-0 and or something, like, very, very early on in his career, like, you'll just, you'll fight these guys on, on the regional scene who are, like, 15 and 95, like I found a guy who GM3 fought who was like 15 and 95. And w- when you're someone whether or not you're the 15 and 95 type or whether or not you're the 60 and 15 or whatever whatever uh Olenek is type, uh you'll you'll face a lot of fucking fighters and a lot of times you'll face a lot of really good fighters before they become, you know, the the household names. So Olenek looking up and down his his record, uh he fought Oh fuck, where was it? He fought Chris Tuxerer, uh back in 2008. I'm sure I butchered that one. Uh, he fought Uncle Chael. He fought Tiago Santos back in 2009. He fought Jeff Monson. Uh, let's see here. Tony Lopez fought Krokoff back in 2013. Uh, he fought Travis Brown. Oh, that's in the UFC. Uh, damn, where's Uncle Chael? I know he fought Uncle Chael, but... 
that's fine. I, I don't have to find it. Um, but yeah, you got to respect the longevity of this guy. And this might be the toughest fight to pick. Honestly, this might this might be the toughest one to pick because it's really hard to pick against Olenek because I could very easily see two case scenarios here. I could see Chris Dawkins knocking out Olenek in round number one, uh, kind of like uh, Walt Harris did. Or I could see Olenek just choking out Chris Dawkins. I mean... It, this is so tough to pick, especially because on the main card showdown, it's probably going to be a three-point swing, to be honest. You know, like, Drew's going to pick one side, I'll pick the other. You know, that's just how it'll work out. And it, it'll be a three-point swing. And you, it's not one of the three-point th- swings where you feel good about it. It's not like him picking fucking Marlon Vera against Jose Aldo and I picked Aldo. You know, it's not those type of three-point swings where you feel good about them. You know, it's the it's the scary ones that could go either way that... Uh, you know, you just hate to, because that's how you'll win a lo- win or lose. Uh, you know, a main card showdown. So this one is is spooky. Um, fuck, I'm just gonna go with Chris Dawkins just because he's the favorite. But honestly, in my heart of hearts, this is a coin flip because it it I don't think this fight goes long. I think it probably gets finished in the first round. It's either Olenek getting cracked one time, falling to the ground, and then punched two or three more times. Um, kind of like how he got finished by Overeem, or it's or it's uh, Olenek, you know, taking down Dawkins, and Dawkins does not get back up, and, and Olenek just fucking chokes him out with something fucking crazy, like an Ezekiel choke, which should not work at this level of of MMA. But you know, because Olenek is a fucking you know Russian gorilla, you know, he kind of pulls off these chokes that uh, you know probably shouldn't happen. Alrighty, we're moving on here to the featured bout. We have another featherweight fight between Derek Minner and Charles Rosa. Rosa is the minus 190 favorite. Minner's 25, 11, uh, 25 and 11. Uh, Rosa is 13 and 4. Have no idea why this is the featured bout, but um, should be an interesting one. I'm definitely going with Charles Rosa on this one. I'm going with Boston Strong. Uh, he is 34. Had an extended layoff, but he's been a lot more active here, uh, really the last year. Beat Manny Bermudez, lost to Bryce Mitchell, which is a tough one, and that was a close fight. And then won a split decision over Kevin Aguilar. Uh, And then Derek Minner, a guy who has a shit ton of regional uh, experience uh, out of Nebraska. He's 1-1 in his career. He lost to Grant Dawson. That was Minner almost got Grant Grant Dawson in that first round, but Dawson kind of, you know, just held on and and, and uh, beat him in round number two, and then he choked out T.J. Laramie in 52 seconds uh, back in September. Um, yeah, man, fuck. The, this is another one that could go either way, and that's obviously cliche because, of course, you know any fight could have any outcome. But uh, I don't feel good about picking Charles Rosa, Charles Rosa, but I will pick him. I will pick him, and. Um, I'll probably go by decision, to be honest. All right, we're moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. Uh, it's going to be between Ketlin Vieira and Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, Vieira is 11-1. and one. Kunitskaya is 13-5. and five. Uh, Vieira is the moderate minus 280 favorite. And we will definitely be picking Ketlin Vieira. Um... Let me pull up the rankings here. I don't think, I don't think anybody was ranked to this point. Um, 
Olenek might have been ranked, but who cares? It would have been so low. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, Kellen Vieira is going to be at number seven. Kunitskaya at number eight. So, you know, this fight makes a lot of sense uh, rankings-wise. Um, we need Ketlin Vieira to win, and I, I try to stay relatively neutral, but we need Vieira to win. Kunitskaya is not a legitimate contender. Uh, she did have a title shot in her UFC debut against Cyborg. Did not go well. Did not go well. Um, but this division is really gross. There are no contenders. Nunes has just cleared out the division. It's the same old people who will get beaten the same old way at the top of the division, like uh, Pennington or Nunes, or uh, uh, GDR or Holm. Uh, we need Vieira to win. We need Vieira to fight Nunes. Now, she probably would get smoked by Nunes, but we just need young an, an infusion of young talent in this division. It's the most stale division in the UFC by far. And, uh, yeah, we needed a win. Her stats, not very good. Not very good. She lands 2.62 uh, significant strikes per minute, uh, absorbs 3.69. Uh, so likes to get punched in the head a lot and uh, not land a lot of strikes, but that's okay because she's a ground fighter. She is a ground fighter. Um, I think that's probably where she'll try to take it here against uh, Kunitskaya. Uh, Kunitskaya actually lands 5.24 significant strikes for, uh, per minute which is pretty high. That's that's pretty high. She's a pretty active fighter, uh, according to the uh, the stats Ola. But uh, Vieira, 92% takedown defense. I don't think that's really going to be a factor here. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go uh, Ketlin on this one. She's been more active, had that uh, long layoff uh, following the uh, knockout loss to Irene Aldana. Was actually supposed to fight Kunitskaya in August of... Uh, 2020 and then beat Sajara Eubanks so you know she got another win under her belt so it's not like she's directly coming off of the Aldana fight and I think this is appropriate you know you beat Kunitskaya maybe you beat another person in the top five or a person in the top five because Kunitskaya is not in the top five and uh, you know hey you might you might give her a, a title fight we'll see how it goes um, definitely possible Kunitskaya wins although uh Mm, you know, I, I I don't know. You find this a lot in some of these female divisions where people are ranked high, but I don't really know why they're ranked high. I guess they're just ranked high because they have to be. But, like, knocked out by Chris Cyborg, beat Lena Landsberg, beat Marion Renault, lost to Aspen Ladd, and beat uh, Julia Stolyarenko, and is ranked at uh, number eight. And those are our own rankings, so we put her there for a reason. It's not like she's undeserving, but it's like, okay, I mean, if this, you know, if your resume was directly translated to the lightweight division, you would probably be ranked somewhere in the 50s. So, you know, that's just the fun of certain divisions. But, uh, yeah, we'll go Vieira and we'll go uh, decision because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of fights go to a decision. All righty, we're moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's going to be between Curtis, Razor, Blades, and Derek, the Black Beast, Lewis, Blades is 14 and 2. Lewis is 24 and 7. Uh, Blades is going to be the minus 450 favorite, according to Odds Shark. So that's uh, that's a little too high for my liking. I'm I am certainly going to pick Curtis Blades, but that uh, uh, that just seems like a, that's a jinx waiting to happen. That's pretty darn high, if, if I say so myself. Uh, we'll take a look at the rankings here. We'll have uh, Curtis Blades at number two. Derek Lewis at number five. Uh, a lot on the line here for Derek Lewis. Nothing on the line for Curtis Blades. I mean, 
he'll stay at number two and he's already next in line for a title fight anyway this is just to stay active and get another win and get another paycheck and uh, he can't earn a title shot if he beats Derek Lewis because he's already he's already earned it. But he certainly could lose a title fight if he loses. And uh, you know Derek Lewis can can cut ahead. <coughs> Excuse me, in the line here if he wins. Um, but I don't really see how he's gonna win this one. I I, I think. Uh, well, now that DC retired, I mean. There are three fighters who can wrestle in the heavyweight top 15. It's a very rare trait. There's a lot of knockout power in the heavyweight division. There's a lot of good strikers, but not a lot of wrestlers. Miocic can wrestle, Blades can wrestle, and Alexi Olenek can wrestle. The rest of the heavyweight division, if they ever face any of those three guys, are going to have a very, very, very tough time. Doesn't mean they can't win, because certainly Olenek has lost, and certainly Blades has been knocked out by Nganu twice, but they're going to have a very tough time. And, um, you know, people said he gassed out in that fight against Volkov, and he kind of did, but no heavyweight's going to go five rounds and just have perfect cardio. I mean, you know, carrying that much weight uh, is just not going to happen. And, yeah, he gassed out, but he still won that fight dominantly. I mean, Volkov had his moments in rounds four and rounds five, but, you know, what really happened because of him getting gassed? I mean, not a whole lot. Um, he's on a four-fight winning streak. Uh I don't I don't even think he has a submission victory in the UFC for being a wrestler because he just he just focuses on ground and pound. So um, the thing is, I, I, th- I see uh, Blades winning by unanimous decision once again because Derek Lewis is very hard to finish. He's very, very hard to finish, especially on the ground. I mean, he can survive. I mean, Blades is good at ground at ground and pound, no doubt, but it's like Volkov survived. Um, Justin Willis survived. I know that was a three-round fight. Um, Mark Hunt survived. So it's just... I don't think he has the finishing ability to beat Lewis, but it really wouldn't surprise me if he just took him down every single round. Honestly, I I see this fight going... It's so cliche, but I really do see this fight going exactly like the Volkov fight, where Blades is going to take him down a bunch of times, hold him him down, beat him up, but Derek Lewis will always be there. He'll always be there, and maybe in rounds four and rounds five, or or in some of the earlier rounds as well, maybe he'll give him some some problems. You know, maybe he'll he'll piece up Curtis Blades for a millisecond, and he'll get taken down, and you know what I mean? That's just kind of how it goes. So I think Blades probably wins 49-46, if not 50-44. Lewis might have some moments, but he's going to get taken down. Uh, his takedown def- uh, defense, uh, it feels like it's been improving, but I-, I wouldn't say it's good. I wouldn't say it's good. Um, yeah, 53%. Yeah, not not super good. And, and Curtis Blades' um, takedown accuracy is at 55%. 6.63 takedowns per 15 minutes. Uh, I think he set the record in that fight against Volkov. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't see it going well for Derek Lewis. But, you know, the fun part is he does have the great equalizer, and that's the only way that Curtis Blades has been beaten, albeit it was only from one man uh, in Francis Ngannou. Uh, but, hey, if you... Like, if Lewis is going to win this fight, it's either going to be by some crazy moment at the end of the fight or by some crazy moment in the first minute, because that's how Blades has been beaten before. But again, Nganu's an extremely high-level example, but Lewis doesn't have, you know, uh, power that's a joke. I mean, he has the most knockouts in heavyweight, in UFC heavyweight history. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think Blades uh, should be the heavy favorite for a reason. Uh, probably not going to be a, a very fun fight for the viewers to watch. But, you know, I have a. Listen, it's a viable strategy in MMA. And, um, you know, I have a lot more respect for uh, Curtis Blades after his Instagram comment against that uh, journalist or whatever. Because he just told him, fuck you and fuck your kids. So, you know, I, I, res- <laughs> I respect the hell out of that. So I'm. I'm rooting for Curtis Blades in this one, you know. It, it, it'll be... And just in general. Just in general. He gets a lot of hate, and I don't really know why. Uh, he also looks very interesting without his beard, so you should Google him without a beard because it's a little scary. But uh, with that, we're going to have to wrap this one up. We have 19 minutes before this event starts, so we got to get this out there and posted. So with that, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. Uh, you got to check out NorthStarSports.media for our rankings. Follow the main card showdown. That's going to happen in a matter of hours. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.